Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. On this episode, we dive uh, headfirst into sharing our opinions about the commentators named for the U.S. national team games, as well as MLS. Plus, we discuss the future of being sports, sharing insights about Fox making moves, the latest insider news on USL rights, and much, much more. Plus, we have letters from you in the listener mailbag segment. My name is Christopher Harris. I am joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnayar. Kartik, this is the first episode we've done in almost a month. Uh, you and I both took a break for the holidays. Uh, I, I know you and I have been watching uh, separately, but we've been watching tons of soccer. Um, but we also wanted to hold off on doing the pod because we knew that big news was coming. We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, from this past month, I mean, there's been so much that's been going on in terms of the world of soccer, both on the pitch and off the pitch. If, if there had to be one major talking point from the, this past month that stands out in your mind, uh, not not related to TV or streaming, we'll get into that in a minute, but what do you think it would be from this past month? I think it's probably, and maybe this is my uh, kind of bias as to what I watch, it's the, it's the kind of... Um cycle Chelsea is going through with the new ownership and Graham Potter and all of the issues around playing squad. They continue to buy guys. Uh, Jao Felix has just come in, although he's on loan, but a guy that seems like a repetitive player to a lot of the guys they have, although maybe still a slight upgrade. And uh, and this ownership group figuring it out, and or not figuring it out, if you want to look at it that way, in addition to Potter, who I rate, and obviously you, you, you like from his time at Swansea, rate very highly as a manager, not being given maybe the tools or the time uh, to do what he did at Swansea and what he did, especially at Brighton. Uh, Brighton, he had a great director of football and Dan Ashworth, who, who set things up for him uh, to, to go and, and uh, mold the squad his way and uh, just doesn't have that infrastructure at Chelsea. So I think Chelsea, to me, is the big story, and things um, are really kind of churning up in terms of conversation about that club. The crazy thing about this, though, Kartik, is that blame it on Russia, right? If Russia hadn't have invaded Ukraine, uh, Roman would probably, I'm sure, still be uh, running Chelsea he probably would have sacked uh, Tuchel probably earlier than what uh, Todd Bowley did. Uh, you'd have another probably top-level manager coming in. And I would imagine that Roman probably would have worked within the club to actually pick out better players 
than the ones that they they signed. Um, Bowley just seems you know out of his depth in terms of that, and it's kind of passed that torch on to someone else now. But I blame Russia for this, Kartik. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Actually, I, I completely agree. I think that the this situation is a reflection of now they had a kind of a bloated squad already, and there were some maybe questionable buys in there. But I think the 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 absolute uh, shambles of the summer transfer window, where uh, they overpaid for Fafana, a player who's consistently hurt. Look, I mean, if I were Chelsea, I wouldn't buy any more players from Leicester. Conte, okay, great, and we knew he was great, but Drinkwater, uh, a, a absolute non-entity. Chilwell, as good as he is, is always injured, and Fofana, as good as he is, is always injured. So uh, Lester has made <laughs> well over £100 million in selling guys to Chelsea who were effect- essentially cropped, right, half the time. Um, so that, that, and then their pursuit of Anthony Gordon, and now uh, I think that if you include Jao Felix in it, I think you already have, what, four four new players uh, that have come in in three or four in, in, in uh, the December or the January window, and uh, yeah, this is is all uh, a, a net result of uh, Roman being forced to sell the club, uh, Abramovich, because of uh, Russia invading Ukraine. So yeah, blame it on Russia. Correct. Yeah, I, th- I think they overpaid for Sterling. I think they overpaid for Kukurella. I think they overpaid for. I mean, actually. Oh gosh, Kukurea. Yeah, I mean, and and here's a guy that now I was having a conversation with with uh, uh, someone the other day uh, who, who covers the, the the game in England, and they're thinking, hey, you know, maybe Manchester City feigns interest in some of these guys. Maybe they feigned interest in Alexis Sanchez to get uh, United to bite a couple years ago. Maybe they feigned interest in Kukurea to get Chelsea to bite. And in in uh, and there, I think some other cases of this as well. It, it just seems to be a thing where, uh, oh, uh, Harry Maguire is another one, right? Um, maybe City says they're interested in these guys. They get linked with these guys. And then someone else who's a rival of theirs ultimately overpays for the player, has trouble integrating Integrating the player, and then City just keeps going with the squad that they have. And in in uh, uh, the case of, of not getting Kukurea, they went out and bought um, Akanji and Gomez, uh, both uh, coming in from uh, from German clubs for, for, for less money than uh, c- combined than they paid for Kukurea. Yeah, and then you had no, they would have paid for Kukurea, I should say. And then you had uh, Obamayang. Uh, Pierre America uh, Aubameyang, which to me was just a, uh, an awful buy. There's a reason that Arsenal sold him, got rid of him, um, and then he comes back to the club. <laughs> That's the right approach. Okay, so what did Arteta do last January? He sold, he trimmed the squad. He didn't sign anyone new. He got rid of problem children like like Aubameyang. He got rid of players who maybe didn't fit the rest of the squad. And where are Arsenal right now? They're top of the table. Where are Chelsea? They're as we record, they're, they're sitting. 10th. They're sitting third in West London, by the way, as we record this, behind Brentford, behind Fulham, who they play Thursday. Wow. Yep, yep. And and, and I know Chelsea fans don't like to hear this. I mean, we, we got criticized a lot during the summertime when we were starting to criticize how Chelsea were, I mean, Pod, uh, Todd Baldy's moves at that point in time. Six months later, you know I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, you could have any manager in place, I think, in, in charge of Chelsea right now. And I don't think he'd be able to actually achieve more than what Graham Potter's achieving. Maybe a little bit here and there, but not much of a difference. So the issue is not the manager. The issue really is the mismanagement at the, the higher level. Uh, and, and a lot of kind of poor transfer signings. Hopefully things will turn around for Chelsea, of course, but um, not looking good right now. 
All right. Yeah, and, th- and, this, and this, we're having this conversation last thing um, in the week where Chelsea, the guy who may have been more responsible than any for Chelsea becoming the power they became in Luca Vialli passes away. So I, I, there's a certain irony to that and passed away in a, in a hospital not far from Stamford Bridge. Um, I mean, the, the, the contrast is, 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 pretty, uh, is, is pretty rich, you know, when you think about it. I mean, Viali was the guy who built Chelsea in, in many ways and, and had the vision, uh, both as a player and, and a, as a manager. And now you've got Chelsea kind of in shambles at the end of his life. I think in a way, though, too, it's also... It does not look good for American owners when someone com- comes in, makes a lot of changes, sacks a coach, you know, I mean, hires, I mean, assigns a bunch of players, um, and is in the position that they're in now, which is a complete mess. So, you know, I mean, I, I, we'll do a whole other podcast on that probably uh, in terms of American ownership, but it does not look good in terms of uh, what Todd Bowley's done. All right, Kartik, let's move on because uh, there's been a big week of news. Uh, it's been a game of musical chairs at U.S. soccer and Major League Soccer as both organizations start 2023 with new TV and streaming deals in place. That means it's time for a lot of soccer on-air talent to be moving seats. Uh, at the same time, I'm hearing from my sources that Fox Sports are hiring talent for their soccer coverage. Of course, they have uh, now they have the UEFA rights to uh, European Championships, uh, UEFA Nations League, and, and a ton of other uh, properties. And uh, it looks like they need more talent to fill some of those slots. So, so what's happening right now is that um, because there's, I mean, there's only a short supply of commentators available. You've got US Soccer, MLS, and Fox Sports. Uh, trying to pick and, and choose from the different uh, commentators and, and talent that's available. And some of them actually, uh, originally it looked like they were going to go to Major League Soccer, but then Fox picked them up, which means that MLS then has to sh- uh, go back to their list and try and figure out who to pick. So that's one of the things from this past couple of weeks is that I've been kind of itching, ready to write a story about what I know. However, things are so much in flux. There's so many changes that I think even... Uh, the Athletic had a story a few days ago about uh, who they thought were some of the front runners for some of these positions within uh, MLS to call the games on Apple's uh, MLS season pass. But things are changing so quickly and so rapidly that the information probably is out of date within a couple of days. Um, so now that the music has stopped in this game of musical chairs, here's what we know so far. When it comes to U.S. men's national team and U.S. women's national team games, uh, those games will be on HBO Max and TNT in the future. Uh, some games will be HBO Max only. Uh, some games will be TNT only. But to find out the actual uh, full schedules of those, you can go to worldsoccertalk.com and we've got all the schedules there. But in terms of talent, here's what we know so far. So Julie Foudy, Kyle Martino, Shannon Box. Demarcus Beasley are moving to Warner Brothers Discovery Sports to call these games for um, the U.S. women and U.S. Uh, men's games. Uh, Luke Wildman will be the lead commentator. Sarah Walsh will be the host. And then um, what they'll do is that that team will basically have the coverage for uh, HBO Max and TNT uh, throughout 2023. It's likely that Foudy and Box will concentrate on the women's games, while Martino and Beasley will focus on the men's games and then Luke Wildman will be the uh, commentator for uh, both men's and women's games. And then you've also got Sarah Walsh, who's the host. 
Kartik, what's your initial verdict? Well, not verdict, but what's your feeling so far in terms of uh, the names that they've uh, been announced by TNT and HBO Max? Yeah, well, okay, so we can start with the uh, the TNT uh, HBO Max right before we get to MLS, and yeah, that's uh, that's a solid team. I, I like. Uh, uh, we we sat in front of Demarcus Beasley when he was still an active player, and ESPN brought him in. Remember for the, the World Cup draw in Bristol, uh, you and I were there uh, for that, and he already kind of had the analytical skills to talk about um, a, 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 uh, about about the game. And I, I actually spent some time around him when he trained for a month with the Fort Lauderdale strikers uh, this is how what an animal Beasley was as a player is he's out he, he he it's it's summer break in Europe he comes he lives in Miami he comes and trains with the strikers with Fort Lauderdale who were uh, the closest professional team at the time to where he was living because he needed to stay in shape he needed to be ready to go for both the national team and for his club team uh, he didn't take a month off and and, and siesta so uh, committed professional I like him I like I love Kyle Martino coming back uh, we've missed him the last few years on NBA NBC's Premier League coverage. Uh, Julie Foudy, obviously, old pro uh, at this, very, very good. And uh, and Shannon Box, I, I think, will be quite good as well. Uh, Sarah Walsh, a good host. Uh, uh, Luke, I'm, I, I'm very happy with his appointment. I think that's a good commentator. In fact, that's a guy, if I was MLS, I, we're going to get to that in a minute, but I would have been trying uh, to get for that Apple TV package. Now, maybe uh, he's still in the mix for that uh, because uh, – they haven't named many commentators actually in their roster that they unveiled, but yeah, I, I, I really like uh, the setup for uh, for Warner Discovery and what they're going to do with HBO Max and TNT. Now the question comes to the actual production of the matches, and that's something we won't be able to talk about until after next week's uh, match, uh, US WNT versus New Zealand, and give a report card on that. Yeah, yeah, that could be a whole other story because it, it is Turner Sports um, who were acquired, well, now part of the Warner Brothers Discovery family. Um, and in the future, it looks like HBO Max may become Max instead of HBO Max. But yeah, lots of question marks about the production, but hopefully they, they, they'll get that part right from lessons learned in the past. And, and of course, they do a great job of uh, covering other sports. My my take on this Kartik is yes, I'm really happy about Kyle Martino coming back. It's been a long time. Uh we've missed him. Uh whether he's going going to be able to hit the ground running because he's been gone for, for so long. I'm not sure, but but I I have confidence in his analytical skills. Shannon Box, I'm not sure. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Um definitely a good resume in terms of, you know, playing for the US Women's National Team and winning Olympics and and playing in World Cup World Cups, etc. However, overall, Kartik, my feeling is is that um, the talent picked so far don't match the hype of U.S. women's national team and U.S. men's national team. Uh, Julie Foudy is a pro. I mean, definitely uh, one of the best, if not the best, uh, covering the women's game. But what it feels like to me, especially with the appointment of uh, Luke Wildman, uh, is that it's almost like it's Warner Brothers Discovery cost-cutting not going out there for the most expensive talent available but looking to be more economical and trying to find some 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 good people definitely good good talent um but without having to spend a lot of money however at the same time the reality of this deal is that there's not a lot of games that are going to be really super exciting right it's going to be some friendlies uh you're going to have what Concacaf uh nations league i think some of those some of those games uh she believes cup 
And that's about it because, I mean, the, the, the U.S. men uh, don't need to qualify for the 2026 World Cup, so you're not going to get those type of games. So the level of games themselves are going to be kind of at a plateau for the most part, um, which I guess then does, I mean, kind of lead into the talent. You, you don't want to spend a ton of money hiring all these, you mean, these million-dollar people uh, and having games that aren't going to be super, super... They're not going to generate massive amounts of uh, viewership, basically. So that's my take on it. I, I, I mean, Luke Wildman, I know, has covered uh, MLS uh, for TSN, uh, is originally from uh, England, uh, worked with the BBC, and within MLS circles, uh, I'm hearing good things about him, but I, I, I don't remember hearing him calling any games because he's calling mostly games in Canada. So it'll be interesting to see how, how he does it, especially. All right, so that is on the U.S. men's national team and U.S. women's national team side of things. Uh, now, meanwhile, at, at MLS, uh, they have announced that they're hiring 14 English-language broadcasters, 14 Spanish-language broadcasters, and then three French-language broadcasters for a total of 31 people. So this week they unveiled 15 people so far, plus three studio hosts. So presumably there's 16 more people that they will uh, announce. And as we mentioned before, too, kind of in the lead-up uh, to um, this podcast, is there is competition, right? So so Fox is hiring. They're trying to get some more talent uh, to beef up their, their uh, talent pile. Then you've got uh, U.S. Soccer that's well, basically uh, Warner, Brothers, Warner Brothers Discovery that have hired their, their folks. And now you have MLS looking and, and trying to get everyone hired uh, in pretty short order. And, and I think they're behind the eight ball, definitely. A lot of these picks, at this point in time, you would imagine that they would have had the entire, uh, the entire cast, everyone picked. Um, but there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes. It's been it's been a little bit messy. It's been it's been definitely uh, fast tracked, and they still not, don't have everyone named yet. But of of the people that we do know, of the fifteen people that they did announce uh, this week, uh, three of them are commentators. So there's definitely a lot more commentators that they need to hire. The three that they've uh, named and hired are Steve Cangelosi, Max Bredos, and Jake Zivin. And then the co-commentators so far are uh, Kendra uh, de sin Aubin, uh, Moadu, Laurie Lindsay, uh, Daniel Slayton, Taylor Twelman, Marcelo Bal- uh, Balboa, Sebastian Latou, Sasha Kleiston, and Diego Valeri. Kartik, so of the people that I've named so far, of the commentators and the, and the co-commentators, uh, are you filled with a, a sense of enthusiasm? Uh, well, no. I mean, I, I think that there's some solid picks, I, I, and also Frederick Lord, uh, Frederick Lord on the uh, French language side is a, is a someone I've worked with in the past, and, and I'm glad he's getting uh, the shot uh, with Apple and with uh, MLS. But yeah, I guess uh, Cangelosi and Bretos in particular are really high level commentators of soccer in this country, and I was uh, I was kind of concerned that Cangelosi may not get hired, so I'm sort of relieved that he's he's on that roster. In terms of the uh, 
the um, co-commentators, right? We like Taylor Twelman. Uh, I think uh, uh, Latou and Valeri uh, add a perspective, and, and particularly kind of also a, a Cascadia perspective uh, that that uh, is welcome. Uh, the 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 rest are all you know solid. They're people we're used to hearing, but there's nothing edgy, right? I think this is a general problem with MLS broadcast. There's nothing um, overly compelling or controversial that draws you into to to watch major league soccer or edgy in presentation um and i think there's no roy, that that's, there's no roy Keane. <laughs> no right yeah yeah that for lack of a better uh example right there's no roy Keane. there's no nobody who's going to get you um into really wanting to watch what they have to say nothing edgy nothing uh, uh overly interesting that'll make you want to listen to the commentators and uh yeah we've had this co- co- uh, complaint about nbc's Premier League coverage too i think that's getting better i think i i think we've been seeing what i've noticed uh just as a quick aside chris and we'll get back to this is uh when they show matches on peacock which were a lot of matches over this holiday period this festive period there seems to be a little more edginess and uh uh drawn out good analysis from from the Robbies and from Danny and, and, and Tim Howard than you get on the linear side. So well, maybe that will be the same case with Apple. Now that all of these commentators are on the streaming side, maybe it's, it's a little easier for them. I, I don't know. Yeah, on the Peacock thing, I, I noticed that too. And I think part of it, the reason why you're noticing a little bit more of kind of back and forth, maybe a little bit more friction, more a little bit more debate over the holiday period on Peacock for Premier League games is because they have more time. It's not like where it's going on the USA Network, where it's a kind of a brief synopsis of just what happened uh, at halftime, go to a commercial, come back from commercial, and then just have some type of promo and then go back to commercial. On Peacock, they actually have the time to debate and talk about it, um, which shows, you mean, definitely with Apple TV and the MLS season pass is the capability, the opportunity is there to have more of those discussions, to go a little bit deeper dive, to do some things where you're not having to worry about commercial TV breaks. Now, whether they'll, how well they'll do with that time that they have, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Taylor Twelman to me is definitely the one name that's, Taylor's going to have a lot of opportunities to do different things, and and that I'm excited about. And the rest of the names, none of them are bad, right? These are all people. I mean, Laurie Lindsay, I think it was at Nashville. I mean, a lot of these Daniel Slayton. You go down the list. These are all professionals. These are all good people. These are all people that do good work. But like you, too, Kartik. Other than Taylor, maybe maybe Marcelo Balboa, but. I'm not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they hired XYZ. I'm going to tune in just to watch, uh, or just to hear his or her commentary or, or his or her analysis. I'm not getting that yet. So other than Taylor, I mean, Taylor's the only one that's really kind of a standout star in this package that's been announced thus far. And I hope, I really hope that MLS goes, the reason that they haven't named some of these other people, which is a long number of, a long list of people that they haven't named, Hopefully, these are much bigger stars. These are people that do uh, bring in an audience just by the name themselves. 
and a co-commentator can make you want to watch a match. So, for example, the other day, Villarreal is playing Real Madrid, and I'm expecting Steve McManaman to be the co-commentator because he usually is for big La Liga matches on ESPN. And it was Stuart Robson, who, by the way, then called a FA Cup match later that day, which is kind of uh, with, uh, I think he did one with John Champion, and this match was with Derek Ray. The uh, La Liga match was with Derek Ray. The uh, FA Cup match was with John Champion. Uh, But I'm thinking, okay, uh, Stu Robson, this is good. And then first few minutes, he's making observations that that make me think, okay, I'm going to keep watching this match, even though I'm watching Wrexham on another device against Coventry in the FA Cup. It was was at the same time, actually, now that I remember. So I stayed engaged in that that La Liga match, which I really didn't intend to watch. I was just checking on the match uh, because you had Derek Ray and uh, Stu Robson calling the match, and I, and I was entertained and, and actually compelled by what they had to say, how they were viewing the match. So it, it can work. With, maybe I'm a rarity, but I think uh, you, you want commentators to keep you engaged. Yeah, we can go down the list and I mean, name names as far as people that make us want to stay with a game or, or tune in to watch a game. So to me personally, whether it's Derek Ray, Peter Drury, Jim Beglin, uh, even Gary Birdles. Gary Birdles is one of my favorites. But but those are the type of people that if I know that those people are calling games, I will I will make an effort to actually watch those games, even if I'm not as interested in watching that particular match. And from this list... Other than Taylor, I, I, I mean, I, I don't see that draw yet. Um, and Mo Adu's on there, which I mean, Mo's good. However, I still don't. I still think there's improvement necessary there to be the best that he can be. Uh, and I think, in many ways, I think he's better in the studio than doing a co-commentary. Um, but maybe there's an opportunity for him to improve, uh, improve in both areas. I, I think it, what I'm what I'm looking for is also somebody to be critical, right? Critical, whether it's positive or negative, but basically to call things out um, or to, you mean, you mean be be a little bit edgy, like you said, Kartik too. So, so that's definitely an excellent point there. What's interesting, Kartik, and I I think this news has really kind of slipped under the radar. And I'm not sure if you saw it either. I only saw it this morning. But uh, The Athletic is reporting that the league has turned to production of these games. They've turned it over to IMG, which is a a sports media giant out of the UK. Uh, Both you and I know them very, very well in terms of really crisp production, high quality stuff. I think you've worked with them in in, in different ways too, Kartik. But to me... This is this says two things. One is MLS tried to figure out the production themselves and were completely maybe <laughs> went in with, with uh, high aspirations, but ended up finding out that this is a major, major deal to actually pull this off uh, and weren't able to do it uh, to the level that we want to see on Apple. However, them uh, handing over the production of these games to IMG is a smart move. Hopefully, I mean, time-wise, it's not a lot of time. But hopefully IMG can do a really good job because I, I have a lot of confidence in them. What about you, Kartik? Yeah, I have a lot of confidence in IMG and their productions. You see uh, Serie A, uh, the, the, the EFL, et cetera, FA Cup just this past weekend. I, I think that uh, this, though, is an admission. And we had talked about this for I don't know how long on this podcast, Chris. Another thing you and I were right about. Um, this is not an easy endeavor to bring production in-house and to keep a standard of quality 
quality and and uh, uh, maintain a, a look uh, throughout the league. And they have more teams now than ever, right? So it, it becomes that much more difficult. And you've got a situation now that because they're going to Apple, which is high, high quality. And the thing about Apple TV Plus that's a little bit different than other streaming services is I think a few years ago, uh, Apple realized they were never going to get the volume of streaming content that uh, the, the the studio connected uh, streaming services like uh, Paramount Plus and, and, and Peacock could get or network and studio connected uh, things and the, or uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime because of their various connections and their models. So they focused on the quality of production uh, as as a differentiator. And everything uh, that Apple TV Plus produces is 4K. Everything is is really crisp production-wise. Well, that sets a high bar for MLS because that hasn't always been the case with MLS productions at the local level with their individual clubs. So uh, it was always going to be a very difficult, uh, cumbersome, and expensive endeavor. So they're, now they're outsourcing it. Who knows? Uh, uh, we didn't see it in the athletic report. Who knows how how much this is costing MLS, but I'm sure it's not. Uh, it's not inexpensive. I'm sure it's 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 a, it's another expense. Maybe they weren't counting on. Speaking of expenses, what are your thoughts on the pricing of uh, Apple TV's MLS season pass? So it's ninety nine dollars a season, or it's uh, fifteen bucks a month. What's your what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I'm a kind of a strange rarity because I pay for like 10 newspapers and I have all the streaming services, every single one of them I, I've, I've subscribed to, other than like AMC Plus and more obscure ones. Uh, so maybe I'm, and I just launched a Substack newsletter and I've been shocked by the number of people who've paid to subscribe to it already. Um, so it, it's, Chris, it's a, I, I think maybe people are willing to pay for content, but it has to be compelling content again. And is MLS, does MLS fit that threshold? People pay for streaming services because it's effectively like a bundle. You get, uh, if you pay for Paramount Plus, for instance, you get however many different soccer properties, including the Champions League, including CONCACAF stuff, including Serie A, and then you get movies, that all the Paramount Studio movies. You, you can, Top Gun Maverick now, you get on Paramount Plus, for instance. Big hit from uh, last year in terms of uh, Hollywood, uh, Hollywood movies. You get documentaries, you get Smithsonian stuff, and all of that is less expensive a month than the MLS season pass. So I, I, I think people are up to paying for content, but are they willing to pay that much for standalone content, which may or may not be very compelling for them? How many MLS fans are not already season ticket holders for their local clubs who are going to pay that? That we don't know. I assume MLS has done market research and Apple has done market research and they've hit a sweet spot in, in terms of price, but maybe not. Maybe this thing is going to blow up in their face. And, and it effectively, um, it, it, this maybe is something we talk about in another show, it effectively opens the door for both NWSL and USL to become more prominent in the domestic American sports landscape in terms of, of not, not only linear television, MLS is staying on linear for some games, but uh, in terms of streaming, because they'll be part of larger bundles and larger properties. Yeah, good points. I mean, I mean, I mean, the pricing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you want to watch every single game of the Bundesliga, you get ESPN Plus for ten bucks. But but then with that, you get La Liga every game. You get, you mean, I mean, a ton of other sports too, as well as soccer, FA Cup, League Cup. You go down that list, and you you look at the number of uh, live sports events you get a month with ESPN Plus for ten bucks. It's over two thousand live sports events a month, and they look at. 
MLS season pass. It's you I mean fifteen dollars a month, uh, and that that's it. You get you know, all the MLS games, um, and but nothing else. I mean, yes, you get other content as far as you mean some features or some interviews or behind the scenes footage, all MLS uh, related. So yeah, it, it is a big question. It's a it's a big step. It's a big. It's a giant leap, really, for Major League oh, Soccer. Oh, here's the other thing. I think the add-on thing is a problem because, uh, again, I said like, oh, uh, people will subscribe, like, including me for Paramount Plus and and uh, Disney Plus, etc. People are sub- subscribing, surprisingly for me to. Uh, I'm pleased about it, but surprisingly for me to my Substack newsletter. But those are scant. Those are like that's that's a basic subscription. Apple TV Plus now it's an add-on, and what we found when the Premier League. Uh, when well, not the pre- the Premier League didn't uh, voluntarily do this, but when NBC moved some of the matches to NBC Sports Gold, remember that was an add-on that people didn't want to pay for. And then when Peacock Premium, remember the difference between Peacock and Peacock Pre or Peacock Premium and Peacock Premium Plus, right? It's Peacock Premium Plus. Um, people were complaining to us on, on this podcast and on the World Soccer Talk website. Oh well, we- I already have Peacock Premium. Why do I have to pay the extra for Peacock Premium Plus? To watch uh, whatever Premier League match and to get the uh, the twenty four seven Premier League channel. So now it's three years into the Peacock thing, and and uh, Peacock's price point is, is is quite generous compared to this MLS thing. So I, there's less complaints, but there is always a natural. Uh, tendency to okay, I'll subscribe to something, but then when you have to uh, add another layer on, you you have to you, you, there's an additional uh, paywall behind already a paywall. People freak out. Yeah, and Apple TV Plus I think is about seven bucks a month, uh, and then if you want to to get also MLS Season Pass, which is separate, you can add that on for thirteen dollars a month, uh, or if you just wanted to get MLS Season Pass by itself. Uh, for every game, it's fifteen dollars a month. So, yeah, it's it, it it is a giant leap, but it's also a big question. The big question is, you mean MLS has always touted that the they've got a young, uh, you mean kind of uh, internet savvy audience that that definitely is a lot younger than other American sports. But will they be willing to pay the fifteen dollars a month to get this content? The other part of this too, which I'll be curious about. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Is illegal streaming. So, you mean, you look at any league around the world or any cup competition around the world, the amount of illegal streaming that's happening based on, on those games and the availability of that is still off the charts, right? It's available. I mean, if you wanted to go down that rabbit hole, it, it's there. Um, but with Apple, with Apple, Apple controlling the ecosystem, other than the games that are going to be also in television, but Apple controlling the vast majority of the ecosystem is how easily will it be to find those games illegally or, or does apple have a way of actually cracking down on this more so than any other company has done in the past to really control that um for, so from a tech point of view i'm interested to see what happens there all right Kartik, one more question about this deal because we, so we've talked about u.s soccer uh we've talked about major league soccer but i have a what if question for you and that is, what if former USSF uh, uh, president Carlos Cordero had never pushed to break up the U.S. soccer and, and uh, Major League Soccer TV deal? And what if MLS and U.S. soccer had both gone to market again in a combined TV streaming package with games from MLS, U- U.S. Uh, Women's National Team and USMNT would be available to acquire in one package as it has been uh, in the past um, you mean basically forever with, with MLS and, and U.S. soccer as part of that Soccer United marketing deal. This is the first time, this, and this is why they're both going off in, on the separate ways. But what if that had never happened? What, what if they were still combined? Do you think we'd see anything different uh, to what we see today? Yeah, I think you might very well see uh, Fox as the linear partner and Warner Discovery with um, the inventory of MLS games in addition to U.S. games uh, to put on uh, HBO Max or uh, when it combines with Discovery Plus into his reportedly going to be called Max, that new streaming service. I I think you might see some of the same partners, but in a different configuration, you would not see this Apple component. I think that was very much MLS uh, being left on its own without the U.S. piece of this. And without the U.S. piece of this, broadcast Broadcasters were less interested. I, I know you and I have both done some reporting. We talked to sources in, in uh, the business, uh, the uh, the big networks, the ones you would think of normally, uh, the ones that have acquired other soccer properties were less interested in at Major League Soccer without the US MNT and US WNT component. And ultimately, Carlos Cordero, who was forced out as president of USSF, he knew this, right? He, he had been, even when he was running for president, I, I wasn't a huge fan of his presidential campaign because I thought he was 
kind of status quo-y, but there were areas where he was pushing back, and this was one. He, he thought the U.S. Uh, Soccer Federation wasn't maximizing its full marketing and media rights capability by bundling with MLS, and uh, ultimately he was right about that. I think um, he, whether um, fans have a hard time with the HBO Max deal, TNT deal or not, I, I think it's a better deal for U.S. soccer than going in with MLS was in the past. So uh, they're able to branch out and do their own thing now, uh, which I think is very important for the Federation in creating an identity that is separate from the the, the first division in the men's game in this country. Uh, and uh, I think everybody knows my thoughts on that, so I'll just leave it at that, on, on that joint identity and that kind of bundling. But I, I do think Cordero, uh, if he hadn't pushed for it, this would look very different. I would say probably fo- some of the same partners, Fox and uh, and TNT or, or HBO Max, but in, in a di- different configuration where the two were still together. The, uh, the big difference for me is, is Univision. I think you'd have Univision in on this deal. Right, uh, having the oh yeah, 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 TV sure. rights, streaming rights, um, and being a, being a, a partner, which is a huge. So, so that that's the other thing uh, for Apple TV or oh, MLS season pass is for the regular season and, and playoffs. Um, games will be on there in Spanish, so you're not going to have a Telemundo or, or a Univision promoting those games. So, what happens to the Spanish language audience? Do they gravitate to Apple's uh, MLS season pass or not? I'm not sure they do, and let's let's not forget. And I neglected to mention this: uh, U.S. Soccer still has Univision as a partner on the Spanish language side, so uh, they're still working with Univision on national team stuff. Univision is now out of MLS. Uh, which I think is terribly risky. I mean, outside of the League's Cup, uh, that's a separate separate thing we can talk about. But uh, MLS regular season and playoffs is off of uh, off of Spanish language linear television, which uh, streaming is. I, I know, um, and you know, I've talked to some people in the industry. They say that a big push in uh, the media business is to get younger uh, millennial and Gen Z Hispanics, Latinos in the U.S., to stream as much as uh, non-Hispanics do, right? In, in the U.S., it, it, it's they're, they lag a little behind in streaming numbers and streaming subscriptions. So maybe a- Apple and MLS help make that happen. But on the surface, it's a bigger risk uh, to. Not not be on linear television on the Spanish language side than on the English language side, and it could really hurt MLS. Of course, they've got League's Cup, which is great, which is like that uh, kind of uh, summer tournament. Um, that will do well, uh, but some of those games are going to be on Univision, so I think that audience will gravitate to watching those games on television, and I mean, the hope is that Major League Soccer hopes that they will, those that audience will also gravitate, and they'll sign up for MLS season pass. The other thing about this too, Kartik, is that um, I think the case study of ESPN Plus, ESPN Plus acquiring the rights to La Liga, making every single game available in English and Spanish on ESPN Plus, uh, has worked well on the English language side, so to speak. On the Spanish language side, I think the, the proof is in the pudding on that one, in that now uh, many of those games are on ESPN Deportes and ESPN Plus in Spanish language. So that, to me, tells me that um, there's... it. I mean, that La Liga and ESPN were hoping that that would pull in the Spanish language audience to, to subscribe to ESPN Plus in large numbers, and I don't think that's happening. So that that's why they've, they're starting to show some of those games on ESPN Deportes. All right, Kartik, uh, let's move on. And you mentioned a little bit, too, about this, but uh, 
in terms of TV streaming news and lots of question marks about uh, USL. They've announced their schedule uh, for the first uh, part of the season. But what are you hearing on, on the TV side? Yeah, so there was a little bit of a freak out when USL announced their schedule without an ESPN uh, or ESPN Plus component, as you've had the last several seasons, I think now four or five seasons with USL. My understanding is, and it's not done yet, so I want to preface that. My understanding from talking to multiple team sources within USL is that uh, they're likely to get an ESPN Plus deal uh, with some ESPN broadcast windows, like like they've had previous years, uh, and maybe more favorable windows with MLS off uh, ESPN. That's likely to get done for this season uh, in the near future. But in the meantime, also, USL is talking about longer-term deals, which may include some of their new women's leagues that they've launched, uh, the W League and the uh, USL Super League, which will launch in a few seasons, uh, on on, on another broadcaster, whether it's the Disney family with ESPN+, Plus, Hulu, etc., or whether it's somewhere else, uh, Paramount+, Plus, Peacock, uh, wherever. Now, a key for USL, and I want to stress this because – We've just gone through this whole conversation about MLS and Apple. A key for USL is to keep their product on some sort of mainstream streaming platform, not necessarily on linear television, but on a mainstream streaming platform. So you can just offhand think of what those are, uh, Amazon Prime, uh, Paramount Plus, Peacock, uh, Disney Plus, uh, uh, not Disney Plus, sorry, ESPN Plus, uh, which is part of Disney, uh, and maybe, uh, oh, and HBO Max, right? So it would be somewhere in that circle. I don't think uh, Apple would be a consideration. Actually, I don't think Amazon would be a consideration also, so drop that. I think we're talking about network um, network-connected streaming services for USL. At least that's my read on it right now. Yeah, and uh, if USL did sign another contract uh, to extend the contract with ESPN, I mean, you could argue that... USL would be more accessible than MLS. Uh, I mean, competition is good, right? Both on the streaming side and on on the soccer side. And with MLS being really kind of in in a closed environment uh, behind a paywall, and and yes, ESPN Plus is a paywall too, but it's ten bucks a month. Many of our listeners probably already subscribe to it for uh, you know, Bundesliga, La Liga, FA Cup, League, uh, League Cup, etc. Uh, if USL is on there. It makes, and if the quality is decent, you know, I mean, it, it may cause some competition there with MLS. It yeah, may hold, yeah. hold back those MLS numbers a little bit. Yeah, just real quickly, Chris, great, great point there. That is part of the thinking from uh, my reporting, from my conversations, is that because MLS has gone in this direction, uh, it's it's key for USL. Okay, you're you're behind a paywall, but as we said, people generally already who are soccer fans subscribe to those services because there's soccer already on there. So they would just be, let's just hypothetically say they go to CBS and Paramount. They would just be another soccer property in addition to CONCACAF and Champions League. League and Serie A and Scottish League and all of the stuff, uh, Brazil, Argentina, all, all, all the leagues we see on uh, on Paramount Plus. Whereas, again, with MLS going to Apple, it's uh, the first soccer property. You have to add, you have to pay an additional fee, uh, whether you're an Apple TV Plus subscriber now or not. So it's um, it's it's a potential opportunity for them. And and I I don't I haven't had any conversations in NWSL, but. 
Chris, I have to think NWSL, which is on Paramount Plus currently. They're another thing on Paramount Plus. Sorry, forgot to mention them. Um, has to think that this is a great opportunity for them between their CBS broadcast deal and Paramount Plus for streaming. Uh, they're going to be as visible, if not more visible, than MLS in the next couple of years if they stay in the same place. And let's face it, we've talked about this. The ratings for NWSL matches that have been on CBS, on CBS over the air, have been not that different than MLS matches on Fox or ABC. So um, I, I think there's opportunity for other U.S. leagues is the point with MLS going to Apple. All right, moving on to uh, one more piece of news before we get to the mailbag, and that, and that is that BN Sports uh, are back. <laughs> I mean, they haven't gone away, but a lot of us were thinking, myself included, a lot of us, a lot of us were thinking that uh, after the uh, the end of the 2022 World Cup, uh, that really BN Sports, other than a few different leagues that they had, uh, wouldn't be that interested in continuing. But I think in many ways, I mean, BN Sports is a, I mean, a global media group. And I mean, in order to be really respected, I think you have to be on U.S. television, uh, and they're there. I mean, they, they still have the rights to to di- different leagues. But the big news that really kind of uh, sends a shockwave through the system is that they have renewed the rights to Copa Libertadores, Copa Sudamericana, and the uh, Recopa uh, through 2026. So you've got uh, what three more years. Uh, of uh, South American soccer there on being sports. And they show games in English, Spanish, uh, Portuguese, on, on TV, on streaming. In many ways, it's a good fit because if you want to watch Copa Libertadores or Copa Sudamericana, uh, you can guarantee you can watch all those games on being sports. But um, they keep on going, Kartik. It's, it's uh, I mean, being sports comes back alive uh, and, and of course they have league earn rights and that's through the end of the 23-24 season so we can expect probably in the next six months some conversations in uh, and negotiations and uh, perhaps bidding to start on uh, league earn uh, rights but do you think that league earn might move away or, or what, what's your thoughts on that? I hope so, but it's part of a, a greater global strategy. And even uh, watching uh, uh, the uh, uh, Netflix documentary on uh, on uh, on FIFA, it reminded me of just the extensive ties between Qatar and uh, uh, Qatar and and France, just in general as nation states. So that's uh, part of the consideration. And here. PSG. And PSG, right, in addition to that. Um, so maybe not. I mean, I will admit I was wrong. I was one of those people who was loudly proclaiming because of stuff that I was hearing from the inside, quite frankly, that um, that BN would be folded. I thought uh, it would be folded after the World Cup. Probably it would go through the end of the 2022-23 European club seasons and uh, fold the U.S. channel and uh, Liga would go up for bid or be sub-licensed to someone else next season. And uh, – Clearly, that's not happening. So I was wrong about that. Yeah, the French League, though, too. I mean, if the French, I, I know the French League has higher aspirations. They want to be kind of on, on a similar level to Serie A or, or the Bundesliga, and they talk about the Premier League too. But um, I mean, it's really no comparison in terms of popularity in the U.S. Um, however, if Ligue 1 did did a, a new deal, they did a new deal uh, for twenty four onwards with, say, I don't know, say it's Paramount Plus. I mean, for being sports, that's that's a huge loss because um, the only major daytime programming that they would have from a soccer perspective would be the Turkish Super League. And while that's uh, interesting to watch now and again, I mean, it's a small audience. 
uh, isn't the highest quality, is not the best league by any means. So in many ways, I mean, yes, being sports keeping Copa Libertadores and Copa Sudamericana is important for the the nighttime. The I mean, the, the the nighttime programming in terms of what they have when that competition's running, they really need league in, in order to have daytime programming. So. Um, so that's that's another issue too. So I think BN Sports will definitely try to renew those rights, and Liga has to make the decision, has to try and think this through, and comes to the, re- the reality of where they are in the system, and and it really is they're in a tough place because they're up against so much competition, just like MLS is up against so much competition against you mean NWSL and USL etc. So um, yeah, yeah, interesting times coming up. All right, listen to mailbag. Let's start off with brian sanders and he wants to talk about cbs and the champions league brian sanders says it might be a silly idea but as i have a four-month-old son i know that eventually my son will interact with tv in some form of his own um so i had this thought the nfl has been doing a playoff game in the wild card round on cbs's uh, children's channel nickelodeon as CBS has the rights, why not consider having the Champions League final also a Nickelodeon? Anyone watching the channel at that time is not someone who might be watching any soccer for years unless it's introduced to them. It would bring the, the sport to an entirely different audience than UEFA reaches on CBS, CBS Sports Net, Network or Paramount+. Plus. Just thinking of the odds that a three-plus-year-old uh, would see the final, be interested by it, and get their parents to buy them, say, a PSG shirt with uh, Mbappe on it. New year, new ideas. Hope everyone's uh, new year is a banner year. Yes, and Brian, and, and to the rest of the, the listeners, too, happy new year. What's your take on, on this idea, Kartik, uh, that Brian su- suggests? Yeah, I, I think that... It's it's an intriguing possibility, and I think it's something that CBS, now that they have the eight uh, additional seasons, or that they, well, including this season, that they have UEFA Champions League rights, maybe it's something that they'll uh, they'll have the courage to try. I think it's a good idea. At least try it once or twice. I, to me, I, I, it's, I'm not for this idea. Um, I, I prefer the FIFA video game model, which is get the kids playing that game at a young age and then see what happens, and if they learn to actually in many ways that that's the way that they learn about the game like my, my son uh doesn't watch doesn't watch soccer he played when he was really really young not really really that interested in it but ever since uh on the, getting a ps5 he's been playing fifa and he's getting into it so he's learning about soccer how to play soccer learning about the teams uh learning about the goal celebrations learning about Derek Ray as the commentator and Stuart Robson as the co-commentator. So to me, that's like the perfect introduction to soccer. The other interesting thing about that this too is that my daughters had been playing FIFA over the holidays uh, with him and playing, you know, like uh, 1v1 or 2v2 type of thing. Uh, and then came downstairs to watch, uh, to, to sit around to talk to me. And I was watching, I don't know, FA Cup or something like that. And they were like, "Wow, this this looks a lot like FIFA," <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, well, it's based on 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 a real soccer game, right? Like soccer, FIFA's based on soccer. Soccer's not based on FIFA, uh, but the similarities between the two, and even the camera angles, 
Um, and the commentary. I mean, everything is so similar. It, it's so to me that's that's the entry point for for Brian's um, son and others is get them playing video games and get them to really immerse themselves, learning about the stadiums, the cultures, the teams, etc. Uh, and that's the conduit to get people into into the sport. I I think. Uh, just a couple more comments here. Next up is Bill. Bill says, I strongly disagree with Kartik's take that SportsCenter, but specifically ESPN FC, do not lean heavily into the leagues that they broadcast. After ESPN acquired La Liga, ESPN FC led with a Spanish match or Spanish league story almost every single day in that 21-22 season. I can hear Dan Thomas in my head opening the show saying things like, We'll talk about that cracking game between Liverpool and Manchester City. But first we go to La Liga, where Valencia took on Elche. <laughs> I don't blame it. Uh, yes, I, I, <laughs> that sounds, that sounds uh, too, too real to be true. I, I can hear that in my voice, in my head too. Uh, I don't blame ESPN for trying to promote a league they spent or overspent a lot of money on. But let us not pretend that they lead with the stories that, that their audience want. And this must have been Kartik, based on something you mentioned probably a couple of podcasts ago. I can't remember what it was specifically. Um, maybe you will. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're right to uh, to a large extent, Bill. I, I should have uh, separated Sports Center from ESPN FC. I do think you're right. In some cases, Sports Center leans heavily into things that they have the rights for. But um, you even saw with kind of coverage of, of, of the Stanley Cup playoffs or uh, uh, major golf tournaments that ESPN has no part of. ESPN's almost completely out of the golf business. Although I guess now ESPN Plus is back into uh, the PGA Tour early rounds, so they're not totally out. But for a few years, they were almost completely out of golf. Uh, you had a situation where they would still talk about uh, those uh, those tournaments or those those events. Uh, but yeah, you're right. ESPN FC uh, did it with La Liga more than with the Bundesliga. I mean, they tried it with the Bundesliga initially, and then it felt like uh, they pushed uh, they pushed the Bundesliga back to being second, third segment material uh, after maybe the audience spoke and said, look, we're really not that interested. We want to hear about the Premier League first and foremost. And last but not least, uh, Leo, with some really good questions here and some thoughts. Leo says, thanks for the information about the National League television rights. In the last couple of days, I've watched a few National League games. Uh, the broadcast quality is not bad, especially if you remember that this, this is the fifth tier in England. However, the idea of using a commentary from BBC Radio seems debatable. The difference between TV and radio commentary is huge. Lastly, I would like to add something to your discussion of the MLS season pass. Perhaps by gathering almost all of the league's broadcasts in one place, MLS will try to fit the fans, so to speak, into a bubble. Is it possible that the league will tell commentators what to say and what not to say? As far as I know, Kartik worked for NAS, uh, the North American Soccer League, NASL. Did the league give com- commentators similar instructions? I apologize if my question is not entirely correct, but such interaction between the league and journalists, which in this case essentially work for Major League Soccer, seems to me, uh, seems to, to me possible or even inevitable. 
Yeah, absolutely correct, uh, uh, Leo. In fact, uh, we didn't do it as much with NASL, although we sometimes would lean on on broadcasters uh, to say certain things because we had a different model. Uh, but uh, I would have uh, a, a a conference call would would be in or, or CBS or whoever was broadcasting Goal TV at one point, whoever was broadcasting our games uh, the, a couple of days before, and I would push kind of some storylines on them. Now, I think the relationship relationship is much more direct with MLS and USL uh, in terms of uh, them scripting things. It was, again, we had kind of a club independence model. Now, uh, in terms of the clubs in NASL, the clubs in NASL directly, and I broadcast some of those games myself, so I, I know how it went. The clubs directly would tell you kind of what to say and what you couldn't say, and it creates uh, a, a little bit of tension. I mean, it's difficult to be f- uh, fully objective about uh, about things. And, and look, I, I I, I look at the way the Premier League is broadcast on NBC, where I think it's a lot of propaganda, and then uh, it, it, at many times, and I contrast that. I hate to bring this up because I guess people think I'm in the pocket of ESPN FC. But the other day, there was an FA Cup match or a set of matches that weren't very good, quite frankly. And Dan Thomas on the postgame shows like is saying, uh, "Yeah, this is really rubbish. It wasn't very compelling." I'm paraphrasing, and then I think he stopped himself before he threw it to Alexis Nunez and, and Mark Ogden who were at the ground saying, oh, wait a second, <laughs> you know, we're the rights holder, we're the broadcaster, maybe I shouldn't be saying that. But uh, sometimes you, you, you try and be honest and you realize maybe it's not um, the most, uh, uh, it's not something that, that, that your bosses will look favorably upon. Although in that case, I think Thomas was just kind of having a go because he knew, right, he was being honest and they, they want him to be honest at ESPN. But then uh, he kind of, kind of said, oh, yeah, that's right, we're the rights holder, I shouldn't be saying this after a little bit. But I think in a lot of cases, there is scripting going on. And at NASL, we didn't do it as much, but the other leagues did. And I wouldn't say we didn't do it at all. We did it. We did it some. Yeah, there's a couple of things on this one. The first thing is that uh, definitely at at times on NBC's uh, coverage of the Premier League, sometimes it's almost as if the FA Cup, League Cup and Champions League uh, kind of exist on different planets. And there's really not a lot of discussion about those other competitions. Um, I mean, they are relevant, right, in terms of league form versus uh, playing in cup competitions and how much, uh, I mean, that can hurt a club in terms of or or help a club in terms of more playing time and more games, more experience, but can also hurt them in terms of tough schedules, um, injuries, etc., but I, I don't think that's really blatant, but I think that is something that sometimes from time to time I'm like, it's strange that they're not mentioning any of these cup games that happened on, on other broadcasters. But with MLS, I, I know from personal experience in terms of speaking to some of the commentators that have worked on USL broadcasts in the past before um, is that they were told like, hey, um, and vice versa too. Like, hey, don't don't mention th- this league. Don't mention these teams, and vice versa. MLS uh, commentators don't mention the words USL. Don't mention this other team. And when you have a system in the United States where these teams do play each other from time to time, usually either friendlies or U.S. Open Cup, it's a weird relationship where they're not talking about each other. It reminds me too of uh, Sky Sports uh, used to do this a lot in the past. Sky Sports News when we had it as a kind of a, a channel on Fox Sport, uh, Fox Sports or Fox Soccer Channel or, or NBC had it for a while 
is that on the back pages, often they kind of do the back pages of uh, the British newspapers on Sky Sports and say, hey, tomorrow's headlines, here we go. It's uh, you know, Harry Kane, Wayne Rooney, whatever it would be. And you could see the newspapers, they'd be holding them up and they would have cut, they cut out. <laughs> on the back page, there were ads for Satanta Sports and they cut out the ads. So you could see that, that the ad was cut, taken out. They did not want to even show <laughs> the, the name Satanta Sports or mention the Satanta Sports or have any risk of somebody looking at the screen going like, oh, look, there's an ad for Satanta Sports. Um, so so the, the, there is, I mean, there's definitely censorship. I mean, I think this happens throughout business in terms of like, hey, don't mention the competition. You know what I mean? We don't people want to know about it. Um, but we as consumers are smarter than that. I mean, I think we know what's going on. Um, but sometimes it's the things that people don't say which are the most revealing. And I, I got that from MLS's uh, press conference this week where they talked about MLS season pass and talked about their excitement uh, about announcing all of these uh, different uh, commentators and um, and, and uh, match analysts, co-commentators, etc. Is There's a lot of stuff that they, they didn't talk about. They're ta- I mean, they didn't talk about the the new playoff structure that they're uh, they're suggesting and they're going to put th- forth, uh, which is going to completely change um, kind of the MLS season, so to speak. There's a lot of things that they don't talk about, um, but which will come out, I'm sure, in, in the future. But but yeah, no, great question, uh, Leo, and uh, uh, thanks for letting us uh, share our thoughts on that. All right, listeners, if you do want to share your thoughts on anything that we've talked about in this podcast, or as well as anything else in terms of the, the TV streaming space, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to read out those comments on air. Uh, you can always uh, give us a call, leave a voicemail, 561-247-4625. Or you can send us an email, which is web at worldsoccertalk.com. You can, you can go to the website, worldsoccertalk.com. And click on podcast and then just uh, enter your comments in the latest episode. Or you can go to Twitter and reach out to us at World Soccer Talk or go to facebook.com slash World Soccer Talk and post your message there to us. Lots of different options. And Kartik, so you mentioned it a couple of times, but t- tell us more about uh, the Substack and uh, what it is, what, what it's called, and how people can find it. Yeah, thanks for that, Chris. Uh, it's called Beyond the 90. Uh, it's on Substack, beyondthe90substack.com. It's a newsletter basically daily with myself and, and some other writers uh, just talking about compelling issues in, in, in the sport of football. So, and maybe uh, controversial takes like yesterday, I wrote a piece about Veghorst and how uh, I think it's a good signing for Manchester United. And I think Eric Ten Hag uh, saw Veghorst at Wolfsburg, saw what he could do in terms of being a, a dynamic technical player and, and, a, and a good high presser uh, without the ball, uh, not just necessarily a big target lumbering forward as he's been characterized. So things like that. We have uh, Dave Trotter covering French football uh, Javi Martinez covering uh, Spanish football, and then uh, s- some of my controversial takes, Chris, on uh, on uh, domestic <laughs> the domestic game and uh, the USSF, MLS, USL, and WSL, etc. So it's beyond the ninety uh, Substack.com. Uh, you can subscribe. Uh, it's much of it's behind the paywall, so you can you can subscribe for the free newsletter or the paid newsletter. You obviously get more with the paid, but there is stuff you get uh, with the free newsletter, including. Uh, this is my own ideological zeal stuff on Florida soccer and lower division Florida soccer, which you will get uh, just for signing up for the newsletter uh, for free. 
yep. And and Kartik will definitely uh, continue on this podcast, and from time to time, we'll be continuing writing for World Soccer Talk with some of those uh, kind of highly analytical pieces about uh, the TV streaming uh, space, but. In regards to kind of world soccer and kind of just your opinion-based information about whether it's the French league, Spanish league, Premier League, etc., or, or U.S. leagues, definitely check out that Substack. All right, Kartik, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time and uh, and thoughts and analysis. And listeners, happy new year to to you, and thank you for listening to the pod. We'll be back next week, but before we go, what are you going to do, Kartik? And what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. <laughs> <laughs>